gabagool-gram and something with fat and nitrates. Hey, hey, Gabriella says we're down here for the gabagool. The gabagool. Let's say it. The gabagool. The gabagool. We had sandwiches brought in the other night. Forward ham, salami, gabagool. Taking the gabagool and shit out of the fridge. Gabagool. Over here. All this from a slice of gabagool. Let's get back to that gabagool. All right. Let's just get into it then. Wow, no foreplay or nothing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Gabagool and Roses, the only and best left of Sopranos podcast. My name is John. I've seen The Sopranos a bunch of times. Uh, my two co-hosts, Ben and Joel, have never seen the podcast before. Have never, God damn it. My two co-hosts, Ben and Rachel, have never seen The Sopranos before. So we're watching every episode and giving you our leftist critique uh, of each episode as we go through in this, our Sopranos First Watch podcast. Ben and Rachel, how are you guys doing? Uh, great. Just absolutely fab- fabulous. Man, I'm fucked up from uh, last night. I, I watched Apocalypse Now with my cat. And so <laughs> it's like a, it was a weird way to spend my night. Yeah. which Did you watch the original cut or the Redux cut? The original cut. Good. The Redux cut is bad, and and people should feel bad that it was made. How's the cat <laughs> holding up? He's great. He's uh, you know, he's he's ranting about American interventionism as he should. So, mm. mm-hmm. uh, all right. So, what did you guys' first impressions of this episode? Which is today we're at reviewing full leather. Leather. Leather jacket. I, I wanted to say full metal jacket because I was already pulling clips from full metal jacket to drop into the edit. We'll drop one here. Seven, six, two millimeter. Full metal jacket. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, yes, it's called full leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think, Rachel? The basically the entire episode, I was just uh, thinking in all caps in my brain, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I I agree with that absolutely. And also, <laughs> I will I will note, um, congratulations to the Sopranos. This episode definitely passed the Bechdel test. So <laughs> <laughs> it it did. It had a, lots of women talking not about men. But uh-huh. about Georgetown. Yeah. Although, so. although my question is, is it really, can you really pass the Bechdel test when two characters who are talking to each other are actually played by the same person? <clears throat> uh, is that the sister, Jeannie yes. and her sister? Yeah, what's yes. up with that? Yeah, that's, that's the casting. same person. Is it the same person? It's the same person. I was wondering, and then I was okay. like, I don't care enough uh, to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the show uh, a million times, and I've literally never noticed that that was the same person before. Uh, okay, so the the way you know it's it's one person, uh, like if you watch it, if you watch it, we'll, we'll get into it. Let's... I'll I'll break it down. Never in the shot together? Okay. Uh Uh, Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get into it. So this week, the uh, episode opens on a family dinner, um, and we're talking about colleges. Uh, uh, What is the song 
Sorry, what's the song that's playing in the background in the opening? Baker Street. Okay. So I noticed the song because I thought it was a silly choice. It is a silly choice. <laughs> so there, do you hear BJ? Yeah. Oh, can we get a BJ status update? A real turd. Oh, she's, uh, she's doing better. She's getting, having surgery next week. She has bladder stones. She has four bladder stones that won't dissolve. Poor she's baby. On a, she's on a lot of pain pills. Uh, but she's she's doing better. She's peeing better. I need you to stop, though. Okay. Well, I can't help you right now. You just need to go lay down and take a nap. <laughs> I tell that to. I want you to tell me that whenever I'm experiencing strife. <laughs> ben, I can't help you right now. I need you to go lay down and take a nap. <laughs> yes. Poor <laughs> beach. Uh, I really need you to stop, though. The family is all discussing colleges and where Meadow might go, and that Hunter has not gotten into college of choice. No, uh, that's opposite. She, she did got in. get it. Oh, she did it. That's right. Early admission. She's at Reed. 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 Reed, famously where my terrible piece of shit philosopher uncle went to school. Is that the one who tried to kill your, ah. kill your father? No, that's the other one. This is the podcast one, right? This is the podcast uncle. Our favorite okay. podcast uncle. <laughs> Congratulations. The okay. one who said that the Nazis and the Soviets were the same. Oh, but aren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, they're both fascist, of course. Of course they are. Though they're not. Somebody uh, who really understands history. Anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. He should read less uh, whatever and more history. He should get out of whatever trash less can. Less niche. It's providing him that theory. <laughs> Go to a different trash can. Read less niche. Read more history. Right. Yep. Um, so uh, it, it's revealed also during this scene that AJ wants to go to either West Point or Harvard. Jesus Christ. Uh, which is not going to happen, and Tony tells him that, which is funny. Tony is so mean. It's very mean. Tony has a bad, like, he's he's in terrible form during dinner. I, he, uh, yeah, he, he makes yeah. a very homophobic joke, like, almost immediately. Yeah. Oh, that's right, about San Francisco, right? So, yeah, so shout out to Tony uh, channeling Tom Brenneman. Um, yep. Uh, Carm so, so is Carm, very worried about college admissions, and she talks to Tony in in bed about it. Um, that like grades and SATs aren't enough. This is a very early two thousands concern. Oh yeah. Right? Uh, do you all remember the people in your life freaking out about shit like this? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know having to go do all this other dumb shit I didn't want to do, so I could put it on a college application. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, and I don't know, uh, Rachel, you're in the higher education sphere. Is that still as much of a concern? Um, well, I would, so one thing I was thinking about particularly was the like, um, grandfathered in, like, uh, if you donate X amount, yeah, legacies (laughs) and donating this much money gets you in or whatever. And now there are more strict, as we know, uh, there is a little bit more strictness about like 
the transparency of a college admissions process so mm-hmm. that you, you can't just like donate a shit ton of money and then like get in. But um, shout out to Lori Law. Ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, she just got convicted or uh, in prison, yeah. right? For two like months two in the clink. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, extracurriculars are still important for sure. SAT scores are becoming less important. Of course, now we're in a pandemic, so it's like all bets are off. Every school right. is just desperate for as many people as it can get. Right, because uh, because at the end of the day, it's all about them dollar bills and not about mm-hmm. educating people. It and turns that, out is the problem of capitalism. Yeah, it turns out that having a for-profit education system uh, and then like a meritocracy that guides your entire economy is actually pretty problematic, um, and will likely result in the deaths of thousands of people. <laughs> But thank God, but shout out to the Trump administration for suing Yale for discriminating or for their allegations of discriminating against white, no, against Asian people. White and Asian students. Yeah. Yeah. Prospective students. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't I, didn't I read also something recently about how Yale, probably not Yale, some big university is uh, paring down their legacy program or something like that or ending legacy. I think that was Yale. Okay, maybe it was. And then that's why Trump, that's why the Trump administration is suing them now. (laughs) Like, this is discrimination against white people and Asians. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, That's exactly why we have the Equal Protection Clause and cool. Absolutely. So, uh, oh, and uh, even if. Uh, your university is a quote-unquote non-profit uh, institution. They're still run for fucking profit and for money, so don't don't be a sucker uh, when it comes to that shit. Uh, so anyway, Carm is very worried also about not only Meadow getting into school, but that she wants to go to Berkeley, um, which we heard Tony's disparaging remarks about, um, but she doesn't want Meadow to move far away, so she gets it in her head that she's going to get Meadow into Georgetown, um, by uh, going to Jeannie Cusimano, the next door neighbor, who we know has a big old ass uh, in Tony's dreams. <laughs> but in reality, she's quite slender. Um, <laughs> and uh, she basically like accosts Jeannie in her garden and is like, your sister went to Georgetown, have your sister write Meadow a, a letter of recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. Which, God, that's such an awful the whole letter of recommendation thing is such bullshit. Uh, it really is. We had to do, uh, you have to do that when you apply for law school. Like you have to have so many letters of recommendation and it was such a pain in the ass. Cause I went to UK where most of my fucking classes were taught by grad students. Oh boy. Who <laughs> couldn't write you a letter of recommendation. And even if they could, like they were most likely gone by that time. So it's a huge pain in the ass. Next is Carmela getting the letter from Berkeley, or I guess Meadow gets the letter from Berkeley and Carm finds it and opens it. And it says that her transcript is incomplete. And if she doesn't fix it, that they're going to reject her application. And so Carmela throws it away. Um, what did you guys think? Did you guys have any thoughts about this? This is, I think very bad and manipulative and bordering on child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, presumably Meadow has already paid the application fee and put in the work to get the application in. Um, you know, if you're just going to, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if if Meadow actually spent the money on it or if uh, or if her parents did. But either way, it's like, I mean, God, what the hell? What's wrong with y'all? I'm sure they don't give a shit about how much the application fee was, but like, that's your kid's dream school. Like, mm -hmm. let go of your fucking weird uh, protective bullshit, or not even protective, it's manipulative. I feel like um, Carm's inability to realize maybe that's why Meadow wants to get fucking far away from them right. is uh, interesting. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. No, I completely agree. Like, this is exactly what she's trying to get away from. Mm -hmm. I'm glad That's that Carm, like, woke up in the middle of the night and got the letter out of the trash. But then she yeah. also, like, wasn't honest with Meadow about what happened. Right. Well, I, I don't know that you can. I mean, I, I don't blame her for trying to save a little face. I mean, all right. I, I'm, I'm standing a little bit more for Carm than I probably should. Yes, yeah. you are. She should have uh, so, said, honey, I'm sorry. I'm really having a hard time, like, processing why you want to get away from us. Like, they could have had a fucking conversation about it. Mm -hmm. But, no. Yeah. So, uh, next, uh, Jeannie Kuzumana goes to see her sister and tries to convince her sister to do it. And her sister is not having it and is like, she's a gangster and I don't want her on Georgetown's campus. Which, that's a little bit sins of the father bullshit, I think. Yeah. Uh, Meadow is, I mean, aside from, like, being super into meth or whatever, seems like a pretty normal, well-adjusted high school mm -hmm. senior, all things considered. All right, so I want to jump in here, and I, you know, I'm not sure if it's gangster, you know, son of a gangster, or if it's just, like, oh, these are, you know, people who are punching outside their weight class. These are people who are you know, trying to work their way up into our elite uh, class. And so mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that we, you know, not help them along. We'd rather feel good about ourselves by, uh, by bringing this child from the projects, this, you know, super ultra lib thing to do just by like, mm. which I mean, you know, if that kid exists, then cool. I'm glad they're helping him out with that letter of recommendation. I guess, you know, that one thing, that you're doing to help out good for you but really this is just a an example of them saying no gross keep that keep that uh lower tier out of our yeah yeah, yeah and i think genie kind of calls her out on that a little yeah. bit but i don't i don't think it's very authentic because as we know the kuzumanos are also very rich uh and i think it's genie just she's she's says at this point she's just worried about being rude um and I think that's all about to change because next, uh, Carm goes to uh, see Jeannie's sister. Um, and basically, oh no, I'm sorry. Jeannie calls Carm and says, that's a no-go. And Carm gets a little bass in her voice at this point. She's like, what do you mean? No. Um, and then she just decides to go see uh, Jeannie's sister and brings her a pineapple regatta pie, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Uh, I like it. It evidently was. Basically, Carm threatens 
genie sister. Uh, but I'm still I'm, not sure how. I mean, I think the, the, the best threat is a non-specific threat. Leave it up to the imagination to imagine what you're going to do. And, yeah. and I, I like it because I think, so Jeannie's sister like makes a joke about, oh, you think they're going to give you the concrete boots just because oh, yeah. write a letter of admission. And then Karm is basically like, I want you to write it. You don't understand. I want you to write this. And so Jeannie's like, oh, well, Jeannie's sisters, you know, maybe I will, uh, maybe I will get the concrete boots for this if I'm not careful. And, and uh, in the end, Karm gets her way. Um, Does she ahead. though? Because, okay, so maybe this is, I might, this is a prediction. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, I think the fact that there is no copy yet and Karm doesn't see it could indicate hmm. something a little more sinister. Like I'm thinking maybe Jeannie's sister wrote a letter and was like, absolutely do not allow this person in. Like her family tried to intimidate me or whatever. Maybe that would be a very bold move. Um, if she's like afraid. Yeah, it could be though. I would be too afraid. <laughs> uh, and I did think it was funny that she calls herself an officer of the court. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> so fucking tired of people saying that. I know. And Carm, Carm is immediately like, a lawyer. Like, come yeah. on, be real. Which is yeah. very, very true. Uh, yeah, people who call, lawyers who call themselves officers of the court or whatever are the worst. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that to you know a non-lawyer for a reason yeah. why they're not going to do something i've only ever heard it used in television shows <laughs> uh, i think i've heard it in like the sanctions context of like this person is supposed to be an officer of the court oh yeah okay they did a b and c or whatever but other right. than yeah you're right like no like realistically that does not get thrown around no um in, in the day-to-day -day. so uh, there's a weird moment here i wanted to to talk to you guys about uh after after the the letter where uh meadow has a little shit fit about her room being cleaned up for her uh and uh mm -hmm. harm is starts to argue with her and then just like stops and is like you know you're right you're going to college you're gonna do it all by yourself and i think it's a just like her being like self-satisfied with you to have no idea how much I've helped you in this. Yeah. I wanted to see what you guys thought about that. I think that has to be it. I mean, I don't understand why they included that scene uh, if that's not the point of it. Yeah. Or uh, like the other read that I had was, um, you know, I, I feel better about myself for not having completely fucked you on Berkeley. Like I could have fucked you on mm. Berkeley. I could have mm. fucked you on these other schools and I didn't do it. So I feel good about it. I think that's a, that's a fair read as well. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that scene. I don't know that it was necessary. Yeah. I, I think, um, I don't think it helps drive the plot or characterization. Um, maybe the characterization of Meadow is just an unbridled brat. Just the arguments she makes in this are so ridiculous uh, about it's my room. I can leave wet towels on the floor if I want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, good luck getting, uh, having a happy home life with your roommate in college. <laughs> uh. I 
Rachel, you want to say fair. something. I don't think that's fair. Because, um, you know, I think Meadow is constantly in this state of, like, pseudo-rebellion where she's, like, I, like, I, she's, she's trying to figure out her identity while she is dealing with her fucking dad stealing her best friend, one of her best friend's cars and giving it to her. Like, she, this girl is, like, trying to figure her own shit out. I can understand why maybe she'd be a little brat about, like, leaving shit on the floor in her room. I think that she's a perfectly competent, like, person, and she's probably doing that to piss her parents off in some way. And I don't blame her for it, because at the end of the day, her fucking mom and dad are both manipulative fucking, uh, I don't want to use any mental health slurs, but, like, let's, you know, it's not a good environment for her. No. No, I mean, it's not. And and I guess maybe this is her way of exerting some control, a person who's a teenager and feels like they have no control. And so this is the one thing they control is their environment. Uh, but also, I think she's just a teenager and teenagers don't pick up their room. Well, and let's be clear, I'm not... I'm not arguing this because I was like this. Of course not. This is, this is just my third party analysis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> Can you imagine well, what would have happened uh, if rather than blowing Meadow off and, and explaining what happened actually to that letter, what Carmela would have experienced, she would have told Meadow what happened with the letter. Oh, oh, yeah, a shit fit, the likes of which she's never seen. Yeah, oh, for sure. A hundred percent, Meadow would have ended up at Berkeley or whatever. Uh, but also, I mean, yeah, like Rachel is right in that Meadow is not necessarily in the wrong in that mm-hmm. situation. Uh, Those are my three any. favorite words. God, I love them. <laughs> Rachel was right in that blank. No, just uh, the first three. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think that's the end of really the Carm college storyline, right? Carm basically uses her uh, uses her power as Tony's wife to uh, exert a little influence for her daughter's. Uh, Let me. Let me jump in. I, I forgot to get this out during the uh, the discussion between Jean and Joan, but the way that you can tell, not John, you alluded to it earlier about how they're not in the same shot together all the time. That's not that's not entirely the case. You see the camera over the shoulder of uh, Jean from time to time, but when you when you see Joan looking toward Jean and and providing her dialogue. And you pay attention to where her eyes are versus where the where Jean is supposed to be. They don't line up. The eyelines are bad. They're hilariously off. And, okay. And, it's like, and it was really distracting that I was like, oh, just hire another actress. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why did they yeah. do that? Just another. I guess they have all the dark haired Italian women are already cast in the show. There weren't any <laughs> left in Hollywood. That's right. Or New Jersey, where they shot this fucking thing. Right, (laughs) right, right. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's interesting. Um, So that's the end of of that one. 
We can pivot to Chris and the himbos. We can pivot to Tony. We can pivot to Richie, the jacket, and the ramp. Where do you guys want to go next? Let's go to the jacket. Oh, okay. We can do jacket. jacket. You want to do the himbos? No, I no, I let's get through the jacket. Yeah, this is a stupid one. (laughs) It's very dumb. Okay. So, uh, Let's save Polly our dessert and... for after we eat our vegetables. Sure. Uh, Polly and Sal go and visit Richie and Sill. I always say it's Sal. I think this is my phone autocorrects. Polly and Sill go to visit Richie and try to talk him into, well, not really talk him, but just telling him he has to build Beansy a ramp and make his house handicap accessible. And Richie <laughs> is just not fucking having it. At all. Yeah. Just, <laughs> like, he's immediately he, pissed. Yeah. And he, he's got, he makes a good point. He's like, why would I do that? What am I going to fuck his wife do? Like, right. what the fuck? Right. <laughs> he's like, such a world-class prick. Like, uh-huh. yeah. just, I don't know what else to call him other than just like a huge dickhead prick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so he, he refuses uh, and, and then he goes to visit Beansy in physical therapy and threaten him again and say, if you mention this ramp shit again, I'm going to break your arms or I'm going to send your arms where your legs are or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Beansy is clearly like terrified of Richie in this scene. There's some great nonverbal acting by that actor. Yeah. Uh, like the glances that he gives to the nurse and all that stuff. Uh, primo stuff. Good, good work for a, for a bit role. Uh, there are no small parts, just small people or whatever. What is it? <laughs> small I don't know. The small actors. Uh, and Richie, sure enough, is a small actor. And that's going to get me to the next point, which is the jacket. It's the jacket. The jacket. The jacket. Richie goes to complain to Tony about the ramp. Uh, and uh, during that conversation, he gives Tony the jacket. The jacket. Which is this brown leather duster that he apparently beat the shit out of some guy back in the day and took it off of him. And it was like, it's like his prized possession or whatever. And he's giving it to mm-hmm. Tony. And Tony is less than thrilled. Like, <laughs> I think this is the only time we've seen Richie smile. And he's like beaming ear to ear whenever he talks about the jacket. Yeah, the jacket. Uh, and Tony's just like, yeah, okay, thanks for this used jacket. I appreciate that. <laughs> this duster that makes me look like a Nazi. Thank you. Yeah, it does right. not look good on him. <laughs> right. It well, terrible. To say a Nazi, yeah, Richie says that, uh, you know, people thought that he couldn't wear it, but with the belt tied around it, he was just like Rommel, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. the Desert Fox, a.k.a. Famous Nazi tank commander, Edwin Rommel. Uh Um, Also, I want to say there's not a world, not a world that exists in which Tony and Richie can wear the same jacket and it not look like one of them is wearing the other's jacket. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Richie is a tiny little man and Tony is this big hulking psychopath. So either it's a Chris Farley small man little coat situation that guy in a little coat that guy in a little coat don't <laughs> that guy in a little coat that guy in a little coat take it off dickhead i'm serious richard what's happening 
or Richie is just swimming in that jacket like it's his grandfather's or something. It doesn't work for me. There's no world in which that works. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Tony puts it on, and it, it still doesn't, like, look good. No. It looks terrible. I mean, no. I think it's Tony Richie as, never puts it on. Yeah, and not, and not as... the episode. Not even as, like... Like, it's not like dusters look good anyway. They fucking suck, and they're terrible. Um, but also, like... like In a peacoat. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Finn. Yeah. Where it's ridiculous. Uh, that, so that was my brain poison of the week. Uh, was There's no way the jacket fits both of them. There's no way. There's no way. That's the first time Richie goes on and on about the jacket. Next, we see Richie's goons show up to build the ramp, and we see Vito Spadafore again, this, the, the big dude um, who's Richie's uncle. He'll, he'll play a bigger role in, in later seasons, so, but I just want to uh, mention that we're, we're seeing Vito here. And they, the wife, Beansy's wife, does not want them to build the ramp, and they just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, because they don't want to answer to Richie about it. So they're just like, fuck it, we're building this ramp. Um, uh, so then next, so we have an ongoing storyline that we're going to talk about next concerning our himbos, Matt and Sean. Um, but there's a little uh, cross-section here where Matt and Sean meet with Richie. Um, and Richie says a bunch of racist shit. And they're also like making fun of Chris. And Richie says, I don't really like Chris. And if he ever... Uh, hits my niece again I'm gonna kill him or something mm-hmm. um, so then the the next time we see Richie he's at the pork store and he's complaining about the fucking ramp again apparently his guys got halfway done and then Richie pulled them off the job uh, he says to do work at uh, Livia's house but I have a sneaking suspicion that he did it just to be an asshole yeah um, so he's left all this half-finished construction and they're fussing at him about it um, and he brings up the jacket again and, uh, and talks about how much he loves the jacket and asks Tony where the jacket is. Like, Richie's number one concern this whole episode is this fucking jacket. I don't want to build the ramp, and why aren't you wearing the jacket? Right. Yeah. I, think, I think even over the ramp, he's more concerned about the jacket. But, For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then... Uh, yeah, and Tony's like, yeah, the ramp, I mean, the jacket, you know, it's in my car. I, I'm not wearing it. Also, mm-hmm. he's outside at the at the pork store in short sleeves, and so is Syl. And it's like, I'm not putting on this fucking duster to sit out here in what is, what is probably a beautiful morning. You know? <laughs> right. So, oh, my God. Whatever. Uh, so then, uh, then next, Richie goes to visit Carmela. Uh, and bring her some, uh, oh no, wait, uh, they do Sunday dinner, but there's not really any Richie thing there or whatever. So Eh, he's just being polite and friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, while he's in there, uh, the housekeeper's husband comes to pick up, uh, an old TV and he's wearing the jacket and it's really just like, you can hear the like kill bill sirens in Richie's head. Uh, and he just was like, I gotta go. I mean, I, I think agree. that's the whole jacket storyline. Yeah. Richie has just been, like, completely insulted at this point. He's he's basically given his prized possession to Tony, and Tony treated it like garbage, which 
I mean, his prized possession is a used, from Tony's perspective, it's a used 30-year-old jacket. Like, what is he going to do with it? And he uh, also just doesn't like Richie. I mean, this yeah. is like a very kiss-assy move. And I, I was thinking, like, I don't think that there's any way Tony could have planned for Richie to see mm-hmm. this guy walk out with the jacket. But I'm sure that he probably would delight in it. Like, oh, I don't for sure. think Tony feels guilty about it at all. I think there's a certain, because Richie keeps asking, we see at least once where he's like, where's the jacket? So I feel like Tony's got to know, like, this guy's going to want me to, want to want to see me wear this jacket. Yeah. Uh, but he immediately gives it away. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think it is going to be, like, I think it is a fuck you that he's planning on eventually getting back to Richie for sure. Yeah. Uh, at least that, that he doesn't have the jacket anymore. Um, so, uh, now do we want to go talk about Chris and the himbos or do we have any other storylines we need to touch on? I don't think so. I'm so no. ready. It's All himbo right. time. All right. So the like second season, second scene of the show is Chris and the himbos, Matt and Sean, uh, robbing a stock store, <laughs> I guess. Is this a thing that you all know to exist? A stocking salesman, of course. Right. Somebody's got to sell me my nylons. I don't have the need for a stocking salesman. Um, do you? <laughs> or a sock store? No, I don't. Uh, I just, you know, get my socks from Walmart like everybody else. Maybe that's part of the problem. That's that's what we're learning. Is that it was a noble profession, and uh, you know, in this big box Walmart homogenization of America and Amazon, you know, maybe. So goes the way of the the dodo birds. I mean, I, all right. So that's funny that yeah, you said that's the it lesson that way. of the show, the episode. Because <laughs> no, I do. There, there is something that's not completely off point. The second time they're robbing a store, there is a line of dialogue where Chris goes, "Can you imagine coming in here and working here every day for the rest of your life, or something like that?" And I do think that is a comment from these guys on the the monotony and mundanity of modern capitalism and the the roles that we're we're expected to do the fucking assembly lineification of everything where uh, you know somebody puts the screw in but somebody else turns it right like the the hyper specialization of jobs and the fact that we're stuck in awful terrible jobs. Uh, because of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot to pull out and, of one sort of throwaway yeah. line of dialogue. But Y'all are doing, giving a well, lot of credit to this well show. That, I mean, that that really, I thought, tied more into into Matt and Sean's arc this episode. It does. It right. does for sure. So, so, um, uh, so yeah, the, the, there's another scene where they're, they're breaking into this, uh, sock stores breaking in another store. There's a weird like running joke where Sean always has to take a shit. What is which this? Is gross. Like I'm not. I, I do not go for scatological humor, so that doesn't do anything for me. I don't know if you all thought that was funny, but no, <laughs> we're so confused. I don't understand why they did it. Yeah. So Chris's explanation. I, I 
it's like the adrenaline gets going and some guys, you just got to take a big shit. Like uh, apparently that's big pussy's calling card is he has to take a big shit. I, I, the thing that I liked about it, I, like I liked it a lot because Sean like went five feet over there and just took a shit. Like they're like, right, they're, like working. The like, yeah. They're like right here working. And he just like steps over there and, and shits for like a minute straight. It's like, yeah. They're okay. just leaving DNA evidence all over the damn place. They're DNA and shit. Yeah. What the there, fuck? I don't know. What are you talking about, John? I don't know. I don't know what what DNA is in. Okay, man. Bile. I didn't know it was in shit. Okay. It's in shit. What? Well, I learned something. Is DNA in piss? I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> John, <laughs> is there DNA in jizz? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude, that's made yeah. of DNA. That's made of DNA. That's different. Is there DNA in blood? Urine is not considered an ideal source of DNA due to the low uh, concentration of nucleated cells present in human urine. Now are you doing poop? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Laura yes. says poop is rich in DNA. So. There you go. There we go. <laughs> well, we learned something. Uh, you dropped the more you know sound. Yeah. I had no idea this was going to happen today. <laughs> uh, I should have known that because there's this bullshit. There are these bullshit companies that do testing on dog poop. Well, yeah. Your dog was the one that did the poop in like apartment mm-hmm. complexes. And I think it's all bullshit. Anyway. Yeah, where they like charge um, you fees. They're like, you pooped. Yeah. Here's like a $10 fee. Oh. Yeah. Man, that's there's another no- thing that I, that I fucking hate. Two things. One, uh, I hate a, uh, people who don't pick up their dog's shit mm, number two agreed. i uh hate apartment complexes that undertake that level of like officiousness <laughs> also just fuck apartment complexes and the yeah. landlords in general yeah that out the homie mal um so next uh so then you know you got matt and sean visiting richie which we already talked about uh and um they're like joking around about how Chris sucks or whatever. Uh, and he's got a big nose. Um, and Richie says to them, if there's anything you can do for me, let me know. Which I think is very funny. Me it too. is very funny. Because uh, it's a twist on the, if there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. Which is what I guess he was expecting them to say. And they didn't say it. So he he, he does a little like take to camera almost of like, like winking when he says that. I thought it was right. Um, so then uh, next we see the himbos are at the strip club and uh, Tony comes in and they decide that they w- they're going to talk to Tony. So they follow him into the men's room and uh, Matt starts talking to him while he's taking a piss, which men's room etiquette, rule number one, no talking in the men's room, right? Unless you have cocaine. And Unless you have with your friends, sure. But you don't talk to don't talk to people while they're taking a piss. So mm-hmm. some people, you know, concentrate yeah. a little bit. Don't talk so. to me. 
Yeah, don't talk to me when I'm taking it. Only offer um, me cocaine. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, allegedly offer me cocaine. Yeah, Sean pisses Tony off by trying to talk to him about business. Uh, and then they like argue. Can I, um, can I yeah. recall a, um, uh, a, a quote from that scene that broke my brain a little bit? <clears throat> Go for it. So they're trying to like uh, seem cool to Tony in the most pathetic, sad way. And one of them goes, uh, is talking about one of the dancers. And he goes, I'd like to break my dick off in that ass of hers. And I wanted to die. <laughs> I mean, that's... You thought that was such a cool thing to say. In, in fairness to Matt, that's exactly all of the conversation that occurs in a strip club bathroom. No. Well, that and, hey, can I have some of that cocaine? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh. What a weird thing to say. Have you ever said or thought that? I mean, what? I've Do you want me to before. answer that? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Um, yes. No! <laughs> I'm going to go say that to right now. <laughs> hey, I want to break my dick off in that ass. I think she approves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on before I get killed. Yeah. <laughs> I think I Rachel's having an aneurysm. Before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So after they blow it with Tony, we see them uh, hanging out at their apartment that they share. Uh, the himbos are total <laughs> hot couch guys. <laughs> <laughs> dude, this is the best scene. This is the best scene. So are, good, dude. <laughs> like, uh. this is exactly what me and my cat were doing last night. Just like lying so, down. Matt <laughs> is sprawled out on the couch. Sean is laying on the floor, smoking out of uh the what looks like the worst bong I've ever seen. It looks like yeah, it's like, made. A of melted down action figure plastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mattel's My First Bong. Uh, and there's pounding at the door. And so Matt goes to hide the bong under a towel in the middle of the floor. Perfect. Uh, and Sean hides a gun. And then they go and it's Furio and another guy. Uh, <laughs> and so they, they let him in. Uh, and at this point, there is just so much beef in this scene. Um, between Furio and the Himbos. Um, but Furio is just uh, oozing uh, threats and violence. Like, he, he's just like, we are here for money. Dude, uh, Furio is hot. <laughs> yes. This was a very uh, uh, intense scene for me uh, on multiple threats. <laughs> nah, 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 come on! <laughs> yeah. Kink corner time. Well, first of all, whoever blocked the the scene is amazing because they had um the guy who's laying on the couch, his his junk is just like front and center and blocked right behind the other guy's head, which has to be on purpose. Um <laughs> 
and you know they're total himbos right and then you get furio coming in and he's just an absolute chad and i was it was like it was uh just all of the things i love uh in one scene yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, is sh- fucking cool i'm a big furio fan uh double f if you will yeah um so, so John goes to get the money and pulls out this giant wad, like I guess their whole like bankroll or whatever, and he gives Furio the money for Tony, and then Furio's just like, "Give me a thousand dollars." Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? We gave you ten percent, and he's like, "Give me a thousand dollars." He's so cool, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Matt's like, "What the heck, man? You're shaking me down for a Gino?" And he's like, <laughs> "Give me a thousand dollars," and he just gives it to him. Yeah, maybe next time, Sean, don't pull your entire roll out. Just yeah. have that shit separated beforehand. Yeah, that's dumb as fuck. Uh, and so then Furio says they have a cool TV, uh, but he, then he also says that they suck each other's dicks, and then he <laughs> leaves. This is such a player pimp move. He leaves and doesn't even close the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love him. He, just leaves and walks down the hall. Such a fuck you. Uh, he, hold on. It. He plays with the guy's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> They're like bikini briefs that are drying or whatever. Right, which is gross. Like, yeah. you know, uh, if you're going to dry your dirty underwear, do it away from your front. Yeah, not in your fucking living room. That's right. Yep. Um, that was a good scene. So the next scene is probably my favorite of the whole show, which is them sitting in the strip club and realizing mm-hmm. that they're fucking losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's the number one. It, the strip club is packed with the worst losers. Number two, yeah. the strip club is playing the worst music. And, and they're just like, what the fuck are we doing, man? We got stockbrokers licenses. I went to Pace College. Right. And this is the best because they realize how fucked they are, but they arrive at the complete wrong conclusion, which isn't maybe we just go work on fucking Wall Street. Right. We got to step it up and do something dramatic to get in the fucking good graces here. Uh, So, yeah, any more to say on that before we we roll to the big, uh, big conclusion? Well, we, ha- I mean, we do have to talk about Chris and Adriana right. before, because in, yes. in the background of all of this, Chris and Adriana have made up and Chris has, uh, quote unquote, proposed <laughs> to Adriana in what is the worst uh, possible proposal one could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know so that's like the background of this is like yet again they're back you know they break up they get back together uh adriana is somehow still accepting of him which i truly do not understand Mm um and chris seems to be kind of genuine about marrying her which is interesting we see in a in a scene in about the middle of the episode where they've just uh a post-coital uh embrace and Chris is, uh, well, uh, she's talking about, like, apparently Chris lays down that good dick. 
and Chris is like, I didn't know it would get better. Whoa, it went along. Uh, and she's like, it wasn't always good. I brought that up because it, they keep talking about like how good things are. And Chris is like, she's like, I don't know why we fight all the time. And he's like, it's because I don't communicate my needs. <laughs> Which is really funny. Like <laughs> he read the back of a relationship advice book or something. <laughs> That's what he picked up from it. But also I think this is classic. What will become to us classic HBO of everything is going well for these characters right now so something bad is about to happen yes um, which is uh, uh i guess a, a catholic thing as well um but okay so uh, uh so, so then what happens next matt, matt and sean hold have, on we, we yeah. do we want to hit that or do we want to hit the one melfi scene the therapy real quick we can hit the therapy real quick okay we should close on the big the big ending here that's right uh there's nothing tony says nothing going on uh, but then he, he has to think of something to talk about. So he thinks about Meadow, um, giving Living his car to Meadow. Meadow. Can you hear the dog yeah. making this noise? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry listeners. Cause it's definitely gotten picked up in the microphone and there's no way for me to edit it out. So that's my dog sneezing. She has a very long nose. And so sometimes she sneezes for a long time. Be... Okay, baby. Okay. She's okay. All right. So. Tuli, I'll bring you ice cream. Ice cream? All right. Oh, so, right. Okay. So Melfi, uh, Melfi uh, is like, what's going on with this, with this car thing? And he, he talks about buying a, a safe 1992 Nissan Pathfinder that he got uh, after her friend's father owed him a bunch of money. And he chose to make payment with the, with the Pathfinder. And, you know, and he was resentful of the fact that that, that degenerate gambler got to be seen as an upstanding member of the community. Uh, whereas he, you know, may not be a legitimate businessman, but he's, you know, looked on with, uh, you know, scorn and, uh, he's just a, a mafia boss and, and Melfi pulls a string. Ooh, does she ever? Yeah. Tony uh, fucking is a tra- little baby, uh, idiot who, loses his mind at the slightest provocation <laughs> so she thinks so melfi thinks this is uh, empty nester basically manifesting and when she mentions like empty nest and that she like lights up and he's like not those fucking ducks again <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm just gonna sit here and not say anything for the rest of the time yeah um but I think it is interesting because you see at this point, Tony is talking about how it made him feel to give her the car and that he was wondering why he did that, which is, I think, a side effect of therapy. Like therapy teaches you to do that kind of self-assessment and look at yourself and, and think critically about why you do the things that you do. Um, and so I think in that, to that extent, the therapy is some, has somewhat successful. Like it's showing some success of the therapy here because Tony is – in Tony's mind, he's doing it because he's a piece of shit and he did it to rub, as in his words, rub Meadows' face in shit. Um, but uh, but it's, a, it's a big step to even do that sort of self-crit, um, sort of taking stock and, and, and critical thinking about your own actions and behaviors. So Tony growth. Yay. Very little, very little, but a little mm-hmm. bit. Rachel, you seem skeptical. 
It's just, I thought the scene was uh, unnecessary. It, I, I think it largely is unnecessary. Wow. Um, I, I think it, it should have gone in last week's episode where we dealt with the car and all that stuff. Like, very easily could have cut that into last week's episode and it would have worked just fine, I think. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, maybe they couldn't find a way to get it in and so they just had to squeeze it into this episode. I don't know. I mean, that was so, two episodes ago. Yeah. Oh, know? that was two episodes ago. Fuck. I, I thought it was cool that they they brought it up two episodes later. Brought it back? Yeah. Yep. Ben, are you all right, bud? Uh, I'm I'm bummed out because old Chris got shot. Oh. Well, that's what's next. So the himbos having decided that they are going to uh, earn their stripes – <laughs> just pull up on Chris, and uh, I always mix them up. Sean uh, opens fire, shoots Chris a couple times. Chris returns fire, hits him. Uh, Matt runs away, and uh, uh, so Sean is dead. Matt runs to Richie and is like, "Richie, help us! We know that you hate. Uh, we know that you hate uh, Chris." And Richie's like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, and chases him off. And uh, the last scene in the show is uh, uh, we see Chris in the hospital. Slow slow push on Tony's face. We hear someone say, how could this happen? And that's the episode. The shootout scene was fucking nuts. It was nuts. Like, they shot him a bunch of times. And they were, I mean, what the fuck? It was so intense. Um, yeah, what an, the ending really took me by surprise, man. <laughs> yeah, it does very much feel like an episode where the whole episode is basically kind of treading water a little bit. And especially in some of the other storylines that we talked about until we get to the finale, like the mm-hmm. final moment of the episode. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, this is what we've been waiting for all episode. Um, so, uh, yeah, I also did not like that we went for a quick checkup on Richie and Matt. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, that I don't know, whatever. Speak on that. Unpack that a little bit, bud. I mean, just, you know, the immediate next scene is at Richie's place. Like, I don't know if that if we needed to put that in this episode or. Yeah, that's how we start the next episode or thing. But. Wait until next. Is, yeah, okay. Yeah. It made sense. I thought it was kind of just because we're, the show is like trying to up the tension between Tony and um and Richie. And I think that mm-hmm. that was like an important, like, I don't know, bringing, bringing what's his name back to Richie was kind mm-hmm. of like really solidifying the, the di- like two sides of the story. Hmm. Right. Well, that was an episode. That was. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what will happen to old Christopher. We don't. I mean, if we were watching when it was first airing, maybe not. But like, spoiler alert. What's up, Ben? Uh, Yeah, I think he's. I think prediction. Chris is going to make it. 
that's a bold, bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it goes for him. Okay. Everyone's favorite movie, Dodgeball. Uh, okay. So what do you uh, want in your mouth, John? Put it in my mouth. She said, put it in her mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her motherfucking mouth. What do I want in my mouth? I want that pineapple regat pie because I don't mm. know what it is, but I okay. really like pineapple. So, uh, so I would definitely try some uh, pineapple regatta pie. Ricotta is not my favorite, especially when it's gritty. Um, but I'll try some pineapple regatta pie. It's probably like pineapple and the uh, 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 cottage cheese, right? Probably like yeah. that. Yeah, probably similar similar flavors. That sounds good. Yeah. To me. What do you guys think? What do you want in your mouths? I want uh, I want Tony to carve me off a piece of that uh, crown mm. roast. Holy yeah, that was shit. very good. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, you stabbed the knife into it. Yeah. I want um, that giant glass of wine that Janice poured herself at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that is very oh, yeah. much my style. Just sit down and pour yourself a big old, way too big glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. All right. Who are our. Oh no, who's horny this episode? Adriana's horny. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be it, I don't know who said what, but the the himbos I think are the horniest. One of oh, them, yeah. they're talking about Adriana and he <laughs> calls her a boo ya hottie, which is like uh-huh. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? That was jizz. What? What? Jizz. That's what uh, Matt called Sean. Just, just Martin. Matt just Martin. Just Martle. That's his last name. G I S. Oh, okay. And and okay. Matt called him Jizz. <laughs> okay. Well. I, you missed that. Okay. I missed it. I've missed it every time I've seen the show. Well, then who says who says the thing about breaking their dick off in the stripper's ass? Matt. Matt Drinkwater, Matt Bevilacqua. Okay. Well, Matt Bevilacqua. Yeah. T- together, they are the horn, the horniest ones, I think. The himbos are really one character. Yeah, they really, I mean, really. <laughs> I strongly agree. The himbos, Matt and Sean, are one character. Completely agree. They're characterized exactly the same. They're two halves of the same coin. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, so yeah, the himbos, I guess, are horniest this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you stand this week, Rachel? Truly yours, the biggest fan. This is Stan. You know I gotta stand my man Furio. <laughs> okay, I thought you were gonna say Meadow, and I was about to have my brain explode. Oh my god! First of all, what? Like, no, talk about Furio. Okay, about fine. <laughs> I'm gonna just bypass that. Um, Furio absolutely is the fucking man. He is. I just, I like can't even say enough good things. I want to marry him. I want him to be my husband. Um, he is domineering and he makes fun of the himbos. He likes to punch he, women in the face. When did he do that? He did it at in Italy brothel. and then he you did know, it at the brothel. He's done it twice. I noticed myself kind of blocking certain things out. <laughs> Yep, 
just, just like Furio's victims would like to block out the memories of him punching him. You know, it's interesting because you don't give Ben this much shit when he chooses like Junior as his. Oh, fucking yes, stand I of the week. yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh my god! I'm and not giving you shit for. Cho- I'm not giving. <laughs> I'm not giving you shit for choosing Furio. I'm giving you shit for being like I want to marry Furio, this mm-hmm. horrible psychopath. Yeah, we're just talking about standing. We're not talking about marriage material here. Okay, but that's the way my brain works, and you all should know this by now. <laughs> okay. Uh, ben, who do you stand? I stand uh, this week. Um, I stand Richie. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, like... It, this is a bunch it, of hot takes this episode. Okay, so here's why I stand... <sighs> Richie. Uh, I stand Richie because... Uh, first, he starts off by, you know, by strongly, like, not wanting to do anything. He's like, I'm not going to do this thing you've asked me to do. But then he comes around, you know, at least, you know, sets it in motion that that's what he's going to do. Um, and then he... You know, he tries to make peace with Tony. He realizes, okay, you know, Tony's like a brother-in-law to me now in addition to, you know, a boss, you know, uh, with his sister. So I've got to, you know, be nice to him. He he is very polite at dinner, at Sunday dinner. Um, you know, he he comes by and sees Carm and brings him a dish, uh, you know. And, and so, you know, I think Richie, Richie. He also threatens, hold on. He also threatens a man in a wheelchair. He threatens a man in a wheelchair. Yes, but here's what I'm talking about. Richie, Who, I, the man Richie's he's put in the wheelchair. Dude, I'm I'm not saying I want to marry Richie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying Richie started off the episode real shitty and then you know progressively got better. And by the end of the episode, he was uh, you know probably precipitously declining. But his arc was you know a rising trajectory as opposed to a, a bad one. He, wasn't nearly as cool as Fury, but uh, but you know he had he he was a good, you know, trying to he, he started doing the right thing. He he started playing ball and trying to be cooperative. So this cool. is indefensible. It's uh, whatever. I stand. Who I stand? <laughs> who do you stand? Carm. Uh, no, not this good. week. A, a whole uh, bunch of the hot takes. Uh, I stand this week. The himbos. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that you earlier said that they count as one person because I had already come to the conclusion that they are one person. Uh, yeah. I so I stand the himbos because I can um, uh, relate to their being in their probably like early 30s, right? And they're feeling lost in their careers and they're not exactly sure what's next and. They, they, although misguided, uh, take a big swing and try something to try to improve their station or whatever. Um, and even though they have uh, bad instincts, um, they're trying to do what they think uh, is the best thing for them. Uh, but yeah, so because of that, and, and also, uh, you know, I just think they're hilarious. Uh, so, uh, and I, I love that... The choice to have them live together is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and them, their, uh, yeah. Yeah. The furnishings of their apartment are also hilarious. Oh, total hot couch guy shit. Like, oh, it's perfect. 
Like, they just have AV equipment stacked up in the back. They have a huge, like, their living room is basically just a giant TV and a shitty couch. And they're, but their aspirations are to get some fucking bass for this TV. Right. right, right. It's absolutely uh, every apartment I ever visited in my 20s. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, for those reasons and more, I stand the himbos. That's fair. Um, so those are those are uh, some hot take stands for this week. Uh, next, as always, we have our dialectic. Uh, this uh, I'm not even going to say it anymore because. You know what it is. No, this isn't how dialectics works, motherfuckers. But every week we do the thesis, which is something that we love, the antithesis, which is something that we didn't like, and then the synthesis, which is something that we loved. Uh, who, does anybody want to go first this week? You do. <laughs> yeah, no. you never go first. Great. All right. I'll go first. So my thesis of the week, uh, and no, I did not stand Carmela, but... I did like her storyline this week. Um, I think for the first time we see what Carmen is capable of um, and that she is capable of being a mob boss wife when she needs to, of like putting that hat on. Uh, I think it's an interesting bit of characterization to, I, I think from Carmen's perspective, she is just being like a protective mama bear, just doing what she has to do for her children. Um, but to everyone else, this is total psychopath behavior, like to threaten somebody over a college admissions letter um, and to, you know, have the means of carrying through with that threat, certainly. Um, so, uh, and, and I think this is also like the first time in the show that Carm really has a plot all to herself. It, it's in service of Meadows college aspirations, but it's really, what, I think, Carm's story this week. What about all the week. father shit? Oh, that's true. I forgot about that shit. So never mind. I'll edit that part out. Strike that from the record. That's true. We do have the father Antonola shit. Um, it's stricken. But, it's stricken. Thank you, counselor. Um, but I do think it, it's a uh, uh, a good example of like what Karma is capable of and um, uh, how she views herself versus how uh, normal people like the Kusumano sisters uh, view her. Um, so um, that was something that I liked this week. Uh, something that I didn't like this week. We talked about it already. There's a few weird like editing choices this week. The, and the inclusion of some stuff like the, the scene with Meadow and Carm about like where they're arguing. And then she's like, no, you're right. You're going to college. I don't know that that gets the point across that they wanted to get across. And I think the, we talked already about the therapy scene could have been in the earlier episode. Um, so there's some, a few little clunky things where it's clear that they're just kind of treading water to get to the end and this big moment at the end. Um, so to a certain extent, I, I guess you got to recognize that that is uh, the case. Um, but also, you know, they could have done something more, I think there. Um, and then the synthesis, something I love from this episode, <laughs> I love Richie and the jacket. I know you were like, what <laughs> this story is dumb, but I love it. I love how happy the jacket makes him. Uh, and he's so excited about the jacket. Uh, and, and it is a little window into this like 
aging mobster who's just like reliving the glory days and is so stuck in the past um, and, and what that means to other people in his orbit, which is nothing like Richie's history doesn't really mean anything to Tony and he can discard it as easily as an old jacket. Um, and I, I think uh, that's such a, a cool way to show that. And it cracks me up that actor, the, his, the look on his face every time he talks about the jacket of just unbridled glee uh, makes me smile every time. So uh, that is my, my dialectic. Nice. Who wants to go next? Go ahead, Rachel. All right. I'll cold go. call somebody <laughs> like law school. Okay. Uh, okay. So I guess this is going to be like phoned in, but um, what I really liked about the, the episode was like all the absurdity like, it's just full of fucking absurd shit um, that is, uh, some of the episodes are really, like, I, the, the, the thought process throughout the episode makes sense to me. The way that the plot unfolds seems well thought out. Um, and then some episodes are, like, all over the fucking place. And I like both of those types of episodes equally. And I like this episode because it's all over the fucking place. And um, like the, the burglar scenes where the one guy is shitting in the corner, fucking <laughs> hilarious. Um, there's, one, there's one scene where the genie's sister calls Meadow Fielder, <laughs> which I like. It was just a quick, quick little thing that made me laugh. Um, you so know her I mean, name's not Fielder. Like, nobody's right. name is Fielder. <laughs> of course. Um, That's a great moment. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I like all that little shit. One thing I did not like was, um, you know, I've, I hate the way that Adriana is, uh, her character is getting written, um, where she just, like, instantly forgives Chris and he, after his horrible proposal... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really question whether or not their sex is that good. Believe women. Okay. Adriana says that it's good. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chris also, he says to the himbos, he, when they are talking about how much of a booyah hottie she is, Chris is like explaining that he proposes to her because she loves him and these are her childbearing years. <laughs> Which makes me want to fucking punch myself. Um, What a terrible reason to want to marry somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I guess my synthesis uh, is just that I, I like, this is, this is the phoned in part because my, my thesis is the absurdity. My, my synthesis is the way that the absurdity is used to lull you into like a false sense of security before like whacking you with this gigantic like uh uh big thing which is chris getting shot mm-hmm. yeah so that's it uh, that works i think sure, what was your uh what was your dialectic uh so this week what i liked was uh <clears throat> I, I really liked the way that uh that uh paulie and and still had one mission and one mission only and that was to get 
Richie to build the ramp. That's all they wanted to talk about. And uh, when they went to go over and and talk to them, they were really polite and kind about it and and diplomatic. Um, And and they, you know, they batted Richie's bullshit away effectively, I thought. So I I, I really liked, I liked the the Polly and Syl mission. That was good. Um, Yeah. One thing I didn't like in this episode was the... um, uh, just the bananas um, uh, opening scene. It was just they were sitting down to have dinner. I thought it was Chinese food, mm-hmm. and Carm says to Tony, "While you were sleeping, we found out that Hunter got into Reed." And you know me how I get with uh, with timelines and and times. I'm like. It's nighttime. You're having dinner. What do you mean while you were asleep? So like, and then that whole scene, I hated that whole scene. The whole dinner scene, the Chinese food at dinner, you know, Tony's behavior at dinner, you know, it, it sucked. I did not like that scene. It was, it was probably, uh, probably my least favorite part of the, of the episode. Uh, but one thing that I loved about this episode was the, was the class antagonism that was going on throughout the, the whole scene uh, or the whole episode, which was, you know, uh, Meadow trying her hardest to, to put herself forward and join these, you know, elite institutions and get the imprimatur of uh, Berkeley or wherever she wants to go um, and, and join those upper echelons of society. It's, um, it's Carm realizing that, you know, they, they aren't legacies to any sort of elite institution. And if they're going to get their daughter over the line, they need to reach out to people who might be able to help them. And then, you know, dealing with that, you know, holier than thou class antagonism from uh, Joan that Carm does. Mm -hmm. I think Carm did a good job of navigating that. Um, And most certainly, you know, getting lied to. Also, I I referenced it earlier with the psych, with the Dr. Melfi's scene, but you know that that to me is what was also under undergirding uh, Tony's decision to give Eric's card to Meadow, um, which was rubbing rubbing everybody else's or rubbing Meadow's nose in in the shit that is everybody else's is shitty too. There's no reason why our shittiness is any worse than anybody else's. Right. And uh, and yeah, that was that was cool. I I like that part. I, I that. Thank you for uh, for pointing that one out. Yep, you're welcome. So you know when this episode ended, um, I did absolutely want to watch the next episode. Um, I, I hope Chris is okay. So he's not. He got shot like a couple times. <laughs> he's in the hospital. I hope he's gonna be okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, you know, probably if that hadn't happened, I'd be like, eh. but um, definitely the climax made me want to watch the next one. So what's the next episode called? Yeah, the next one is called From Where to Eternity. Um, and it was actually written by Michael Imperioli. So Wow, I am so excited. Final one. Uh, I wish that he had written it the way Chris writes, but he's actually a pretty good writer. So um, I just want to see one of Chris's productions make it all the way. Yeah. 
I would love to see it. Um, yeah, so that's next next episode. It's called From Where to Eternity. Uh, we are closing in on the end of the third season, or second season. Second. We still have a few episodes left. Um, but uh, exciting time. Uh, do you guys have any, any closing thoughts here before we call it an ep? Well, I just thought of a great Patreon idea, which is that uh, I will attempt to write a script in Christopher Moltisanti's voice and we will do a table read of it if you subscribe okay. to our Patreon. So search Gobblegool and Roses on Patreon and subscribe to one of our tiers. And you'll get exclusive bonus content just like that. Yeah. We, we uh, as far as podcasts go, we have the best Patreon ideas out there. The worst yeah. execution. Best ideas. I would execute them if these motherfuckers would subscribe ah uh, yes the chicken and the egg issue yes indeed well so we've got ideas motherfuckers listeners dear listeners that we love we've got <laughs> ideas just pay us to do them for you all right cool um all right so that does it for this episode of gabagool and roses until next week please wash your hands go to therapy take your meds and organize for the revolution we love you Love you. I'm gonna break my dick off in that ass.